0: Well, if you have your Bibles, open them with me to Matthew chapter five. How many remember what we've been talking about? We've been talking about leading like Jesus, um, and I got to tell you, uh, there probably doesn't go a week that goes by that I don't look at a situation and just think, "Man, they needed a dad." It happens here weekly, probably with, with many of you, that when we don't have healthy teaching and we're not raised right and somebody doesn't teach us in God's ways, it really affects us as adults. I'm telling you this. And we've had the, I've had, um, I've had the blessed fortune of, even though not having a father in my life, of having so many godly men kind of instruct us in the ways of God and it always produces. Are you with me? Um, you don't have to be. What, what you know, what you were raised necessarily, and so we teach these things because it's so important that we understand life values. These are basic things for some of you, but for many, it's difficult to understand. And God has a way, and it always pays off. Um, but we're going to talk about leading like Jesus. Um, so turn with me to Matthew five. You know, Jesus said a bunch of things in the beatitudes. That I believe will shape us to be leaders in life. Let me say again, every single one of you is a leader. There's no doubt about it. It's not even a question. You influence somebody. I was never, you know, crazy into into alcohol necessarily, probably because I was too young and on drugs. But I remember shortly after I got saved, I was ministering to a lot of people in the bars down on Bank Street. And it, 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 which I don't recommend you just go to the bars. But it it, it fascinated me how these men would get together every night of the week and they would get trashed, they would get drunk, and then they would, like, start, like, ministering to it. They literally start counseling each other. I mean, the most busted up dudes would, like, give advice, and I mean, guides would, like, open their souls and hear every word that's coming out of their mouth, you know? And I thought, man, don't tell me that not everybody's a leader. It, just because you're a leader doesn't mean that you're leading well. It doesn't mean you're leading in right things. And, but everyone's following somebody. Everybody gets wisdom. You know, it, it's crazy. You know, Facebook will cap you at like 5,000 friends, right? So, so I can't even scroll on my timeline because there's 5,000 people I don't even know. But if you, if you go on a morning like this and just, just flip once on my phone, there's probably 20 live streams of every kind of service. Including like four guys in the jungle just dancing in Africa. Facebook Live can go everywhere now. And everybody feels like they can have a voice and they can lead. Well, it's important that if we are going to be people of influence, that we lead the right way. And that we lead the effective way. Because the loudest doesn't mean you're the leader. And, and just because you can say one thing doesn't mean you're going to have people follow who you are. And so it's important that if we're going to be effective leaders, that we're going to have people that follow us in life, because Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ, that we must be saying to the world around us. And as believers, we're called to shape this world for God and really bring the kingdom of heaven uh, to earth. So in Matthew 5, 3, I want to read a beatitude that is really mind boggling. And it says this, blessed. So verse one, after seeing the multitudes, he went up to the mountain and when he was seated... The disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and taught them, saying, in the first verse there, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And he goes on to many other one. But blessed are those that are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know, we live in a day today where, man, to be poor in spirit, to be, you know, uh, in, in, in sensitive to your relationship with God and Him shaping your world is a, is a rare thing. I think we live in a day, I mean, look, look at last weekend, blew my mind. You know, I, I think I said a few things. Let me tell you, you do a prophetic conference, the most whacked out people show up. I had, I probably had 20 prophecies, and, and honestly, If the devil would have said, hey, I want to say 20 things over your life, it would have been those 20 words from those whacked out people. But I stand here and I tell those people last week, you're nuts. You're just whacked out parking lot profits. Don't even come to me with your garbage. I mean, you wouldn't even just the response of people is ridiculous. My poor book table, they were getting bombarded with letters and angry people. And, you know, I'm a bigot and I'm hateful and I'm all these things. And I thought, man, we live in a day where if, if anyone causes you discomfort, th- they're hateful. I've never lived in this day. This is amazing. I'm the wrong guy to live right now. If anyone says anything that you don't like, they're racist. And we have, we have no skin, you know. I was watching a a, a sports interview. There's a a basketball player in in UCLA, uh, LeVon Ball or whatever. He's going to be, like, number one pick in the draft. No, he's going to be, like, one. Trust me. And and, and he's, like, a freshman, but he has, like, the overreaching dad. So his dad, like, said things like, my son's better than Steph Curry now. And, you know, poor guys, right? And so everybody was hammering him in the media and don't say this over your kid. Mind you, all three of his boys are, like, scholarship NBA bound, And he did an interview this week, and and this guy, Colin Coward, asked him, he said, well, you know, what if you were in your car driving with your son, and and just you and him, and your son looks at you and says, "Uh, you know, Dad, maybe lighten up with the Steph Curry stuff. That's a lot of pressure on me. Maybe maybe don't, you know, really say that to people. And his dad was like, my son wouldn't talk to me like that because he's my son. And if he wants to dictate his life, he can leave my house. And the world erupted. It was like, you horrible dad. How dare you say this about your kid? No, I mean, like, ridiculous. Nobody's looking at the fact that three of his kids are successful in school. All they can see is that dad is, is an, you know, authoritarian. Say what you want about Trump. His kids are, is amazing, right? So even people that hate Trump love his kids. But we live in a day, it just dawned on me, nobody can be uncomfortable today. Never mind. God make you convicted because we just want, we somehow, it it blows my mind because there's a fine line between faith and entitlement. And if, if faith gets off course, it's entitlement and you'll get nothing. And we live in a day where I was with a pastor yesterday morning and he just wants to talk to me about why some people aren't getting healed. And what, you know, what about this? And I'm just like, bro, God's not on trial. You, you don't even realize, first of all, we want God to do a miracle on our watch without ever serving him. And, and there was a guy that was some kind of loosely connected to the church, and he lost a baby. It was horrible. But then he got angry at God, started cursing God. I thought, whoa, you don't even serve God. You think that's your opportunity to look at Jesus and go, you better do this or I'm not. You don't serve him anyway. Why are we angry at God when we don't even serve him to begin with and the promises don't work in our life? And when it comes to miracles, we just live in a day where it's like, you better do this. Are you nuts? That is not even the gospel. Look, if God says you need to be faithful with little so I can give you more, we talked about the dysfunction of getting large amounts of money. You think he's going to throttle the anointing the same way through your life? He can't trust you with $5. And all of a sudden, you want to raise the dead for what? So you can put on Facebook, fall off course because you got a big head and now you don't even have a family anymore. We don't even understand process. And if we're going to lead, God is looking for leaders that will be poor in spirit because he said their reward would be, we're going to talk about it for a little while. Their reward is the full kingdom. He went on to say, if, if you're merciful, you'll receive mercy. But this was one of the only ones he's like, listen, if you're poor in spirit, you get the whole farm. It's because so few people live that way. We live in prison to other people's opinions. We live in prison to somebody's, you know, online comments. We live in prison of what other people are going to think. And God is looking for people to lead by his word and his ways. And, and just don't worry about offending everybody. I'm not going to change who I am because you're upset. Do you follow what I'm saying? And, and the people that left this meeting and were angry. They said they were flaky. It's probably because they fit the description. Because if I'm in there and somebody says, you're all flaky, I'm going to think, no, I'm actually not. Like, you know what I mean? It wouldn't even dawn on me. But if I was flaky and I had a letter ready to go, <laughs> dude, you're nuts. Do you understand what I'm telling you? It's, and I, I said it last weekend. You know, we, uh, clearly I eat a lot of great food. A year ago, my wife was like, I ran into a bakery. You've got to try this croissant. I ended up eating a croissant for like three months straight. I mean, every single day. And it was a little corner bakery in Mystic. You know, now like we're doing this party tonight and the guy's on, you know, TV. And this guy, Adam, who's been like a really cool dude to us. But my point is, if you really have a word from the Lord, then you don't got to write letters and push it on a book table. If you have something good enough to offer, then God will open the doors in due season for you. You're not going to run around trying to hear followers. That's not even how this works. This world isn't about self-promotion and pushing your way in. It's about letting God open doors in your life, following the process and, and being as faithful as we can to it, right? That crazy mannequin, that whole thing. it's just stewardship. I want to steward the presence of God. I want to steward the word of God. And that means praying for people. That means sharing your faith. That means loving your family. That means being faithful with everything God has given us. And I just began to think you know, dude, this, de- this world we live in has got to change. You know, listen, I-, I, think- I think our president has got himself in a lot of trouble. I- honestly, I mean, there's, I mean, it- it's like I- I'm never a proponent of tearing anybody down. That's not biblical. I don't care how much you like him. You don't rip people, you know, you, you don't, those- that's not the way we're governed as believers. But the, the first time he came out and started flinging off the hip, we all fell in love. Because it was like, wow, nobody even talks like this. And there's something that you admire about somebody that doesn't fear people or appears to. Do you know what I mean? And, and because we live in a day everybody's on edge, everybody's going to get offended, nobody has thick skin, and we're not even called to live that way. We're called to be confident in the faith that we have and not be moved by every wind and doctrine and opinion. But if you're, if you're, if you're moved by, listen, if, if you live for the praises of people, you're going to die by their criticism. So if we're, if we're in, in prison, if, we so, if some of you so need affection so bad, you're going to live for that, but then you're going to die by their criticism. Our affection comes from heaven. Our governing and guiding rubric is the word of God, and, and God is looking for us to really lead like him. When faith goes unchecked, it's entitlement. God is more concerned about building in you than through you. And, you know, it, it, discipline is truthful. Pruning is valid and needed, right? The Bible talks about it. And, 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 and what, basically what I'm getting is this has turned into a generation that when they go through difficult times, they, 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 they just collapse. If you go through a trial, you, you're off the cliff. You know, I, I see believers, they say the right things, they sing the right songs, they lift their hands when they're supposed to. But the minute trials come, they're just off the rocker. And you wonder, sometimes you're like, man, that's all it took? Like it didn't take much. A couple negative thoughts, a, l- a girl at work, I mean, it doesn't take much for some people. It's because their foundation is not secure. And they live in a realm of entitlement. You know, the word hope means joyful anticipation of good. We've got to live in that place. Turn with me to James chapter 1. Here's going to be really the scripture for what we, what we talk about today. James 1, if you got it, say, got it. I love this. I love this scripture. James 1 verse 2 says this, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Let patience have its perfect worth that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Consider it all joy. That word joy is an is a anticipation of good. Consider it an anticipation of good. When you, when you go through these trials of many t- kinds, you know, uh, the truth is poor in spirit would be maintaining your health during difficult times. So if you look at the scripture again, it says, count it all joy. Basically, here's what it's telling you. Do the math. Say, do the math. uh, Maybe you weren't good at math. Come on. Uh, The other day, I I filled out a slip at the diner or dinner place. You know, I wrote and wrote the tip. And then the waitress chased me out in the parking lot. I was like, oh, you made a mistake. I didn't do proper math. We're going to do proper math right now. Count it all joy. When you go into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith is going to produce patience, let it have its perfect worth work, but if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, and it'll be given to you. Let's go back to verse 4. Let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. How could somebody tell you when you go through trials to have joy? Because they know what it equals, Joy in trials because they know it's going to make you eventually lack nothing. Imagine if all the discomfort in your life, you approached it as joy because it's producing something in my life that will lead me to lack nothing. That is not the world we live in. If I feel uncomfortable or something's not going right, I demand an answer. You're going to have a shallow Christianity forever. I want to know why this is going on and why this has happened. And friends, it's like you're five. People that serve God and go through the processes of God don't always sit never on the sideline and beg why. Because you know why we live in a fallen earth. Do you understand me? I don't ask why. I know, you know, somebody, the pastor was telling me it was somebody that was, uh, that had lupus and all the big names prayed for him, which is sometimes the problem. And, 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 and I'll, but uh, this will happen and this happening, you know, why aren't they healed? And I'm thinking, bro, I told you, number one, we don't, this isn't on the job training. Everybody wants a miracle with no cost or no study on their own and really no engagement. I said, Bro, you want to see miracles? Then engage your faith every day to believe for the supernatural power of God. There's a difference between the gift of faith and abiding faith. The Bible says we have faith that abides. Do you understand that? All of you have an everyday faith with Jesus, every day, and it grows. We don't want to increase that faith. We just want a gift of faith for the home run swing. Oh, man, too much practicalness for you today. So, you have a hundred dollar faith and you need a thousand dollar miracle. The gift of faith brings you from a hundred to one thousand just for the moment, and then you're going to go back. Probably to 200. Do you understand? It, th- listen, the things of God, you'll, you'll say yes and amen to all the things until I tell you about something that you struggle with. It's the whole kingdom works this way. It's faithfulness. You remember Rick Pino sat up here, started bawling, and I was like, what are you even doing? And he told you this whole process about his wife couldn't get pregnant for seven years. And God said, I'm the one that plants the seed, it's your, or, or it's your job to let it grow, whatever. Basically, be faithful to what I've told you. I drop the seed of promise. Your faithfulness will allow this thing to grow. Yeah. We are so consumed with what, what isn't going on. We're so consumed with, it's like the Pharisees. Jesus heals them in, in the temple. They don't even look at the miracle. They're like, who are you to do a miracle on the Sabbath? What in the world is going on? That's how, these, that's how most Christians think. They don't even look at life. They're so focused on principle because they demand answers from God. It's never going to come. I have every answer I want because of faith. Do you understand me? I'll never wonder why something's going on in my life because I'm too busy believing God for it to turn around. I don't have any, I don't have, I don't waste my life moping and crying about things that aren't going the way I want them to. Nothing will come out of your life from that. Let me ask you this. Has anything ever come out of you being introspective? Let me just start with no and work our way down from there. Nobody ever has collapsed inside of their soul, sulked long enough, and then was like, woo, I'm coming out. <laughs> nothing, listen to me, nothing good comes from that. But we live in a day where we don't make me uncomfortable, don't say something I don't wanna hear, don't somehow don't make. I don't want God to make me feel this way He owes me. He doesn't owe us anything. He gave us a standard to live by, which let me tell you, prior generations lived by. And He says, this is the way you walk in it. Period, There's not, We're not going to dance around this thing. Are you with me? And now I watch in my old days now, as old you know, in my 80 years of faith, Honestly, dude, I feel that way with some of these people. I've watched in my own lifetime, we devalue the Holy Spirit. We devalue the anointing. Why? Because it costs too much. Because when you want the things of God, it demands you to give everything. We don't want that culture, especially in New England. Come on now. Clearly, the persecution spoke this morning. We don't want that culture. So what happens is, if, especially churches, what you have to do is everything but believe the Holy Ghost what can we do outside of the, what we need to be doing let's paint a building let's build signs let's put a smoke machine here let's give the pastor a haircut we we do everything we want to, that wouldn't work we do everything we can to fool you into thinking that God's where he isn't and somehow we've bought into that junk Somehow we eat moldy bread and drink tainted water and we call it church. And we think God's there. You're a fool, man. If I'm offending you now, you're in the wrong place. When I got saved, I talked this way. Do you understand me? You just thought I was rebellious. Not now because I've planted 20 churches. But when I was saved, I talked this way. Don't, don't hand me a Bible and tell me he's real and he could do all that he said he could do and you don't show it or live it. I'm, I'm done with it, man. God's wind of power is blowing. Rick Joyner literally went home and had to call me because it happened to him when he left. He's never in his whole life of flying, as long as I've been alive, this dude is a pilot. That's what he was before he got saved. He's never in his life felt winds that he thought he was over. His life was done. 140 mile an hour winds. And he said, God is going to blow so strong in New England. Something has changed. And I believe this. Yes. But it's going to draw a line in the sand. You're either with or without. There's not going to be a middle ground. This isn't like, can I still, you know, can I still keep my fleshly desires? No. Can I control my money? No. Can I control how, what I, no. Listen, my kids are on loan to me. Do you understand me? They're on loan. They're not even mine. And I'm sure not going to idolize them. Hello. Hello. Because when this little one's out the house, it's me and her. And it was me and her before he came. But if we're not careful, we're going to believe a jacked up value system that's not going to produce life in us. And we're going to constantly run around unhappy. Nobody's happy. I I mean, few happy people. Think about it. Where did happiness go? Nobody's happy. Everybody's upset, stressed out. Something ain't going right. Come on, man. It's like, where did peace go? Like everybody is after something else in their life because they feel like it's gonna that'll make a difference. If I only leave you, then I'll be happier. If I only get this job, I'll be happier. Maybe you're the problem. No, it's you, dude. Right? I think J Lo was married. I saw J Lo. She was married like five times. After the fifth guy, it's you, honey. You know what I mean? It's not men anymore. It's you. Five husbands. You're the girl problem. You know what I'm saying? It's like you want it to be everybody else in your life, and you're like, no, it's you. You're you're the common denominator from everybody's problem. Everyone minus you equals no more problems. (laughs) But serious, you know, we've got to live this thing in the gospel. And, and, And when trials come in our life, we need to start believing God. And and trusting him and not, you know, not longing for a Christianity that requires less of us and doesn't produce any pressure on us. Because that's the opposite. The Bible says the testing of your faith will produce and it will leave you lacking nothing. I love studying revival history. First thing, I, I mean, I didn't even get a GED, but I loved revival history. And when I studied these men's of God, the first thing I realized is, man, these guys went through it. I remember sitting down, somebody handed me every single William Branham CD he ever preached, I thought, and he wasn't a great theologian. And I thought, man, let me just listen to it. I love, I want, I want to hear God like he did. And the first CD was his testimony. And he's telling me in the testimony how there was a flood in Indiana, and he lost his wife and two kids. I thought, oh, no. And then I'm like, and I'm just like, oh, man. And I, I listened to John G. Lake, because I love that guy. And his wife and kids die at home fasting, and I'm like, oh, no. And then, you know, then I meet more, you know, you get into Oral Roberts and some of all my friends now. I'd never tell you the stuff they struggle with because we live in a day where you don't think you should. Yeah. And I'm telling you, we, we're passing through this earth. Yes, we are. This isn't our home. This actually is the devil's land. Do you understand this? Yes. This isn't our home. We're passing through bringing heaven to earth until this is over. So I'm not going to sit on this earth and completely complain wondering why when we are called to be the difference. If you don't do anything, sickness is going to remain. If you don't do anything, depression and anxiety will overtake you. If you don't stand on the word and live practically, then we can never see breakthrough. We don't ask those questions. We're overcomers. But today's day, it's my God. We just... You know, I'm a picky eater, believe it or not. You would think I'd just eat everything. I'm extremely picky. I mean, if you come out with me to a restaurant, I'm going to change the menu. You know what I mean? There's only one time in my life I didn't change a menu, and that's because I was invited to a really exclusive rest. Jay-Z, Bono, all these guys had this restaurant called The Spotted Pig. And when I got there, there was like three levels, and they had their private levels. So I was on that floor, and they said to me, you don't talk unless you're spoken to, and you don't change the menu. And I was like, ugh. How do I not? I don't care about talking to famous people. How can I not change the menu? And I had to order a burger that violated all my all my food convictions. And I basically cut in and made a tent and started eating the ground beef out. And I didn't touch anything else. I you know why? Because I can with food. I'm always changing an order. I, yeah, I go to a restaurant now, it's like when I'm done here, I'll, I'll run by a restaurant and the waitress knows I'm coming and she knows what I want and not want touching. Like I have, is, I have food issues, man. I, my food can't touch. It's a problem. But you know where you can't have it? You can have food issues because I just can. Like I pay for it, you know what I mean? <laughs> I, you can't do that with this. Yes. This you don't pick apart. This you don't go well. I don't want to talk about that, and I want to not address this. And you offend me when you come here. And I don't. no, this isn't Burger King. Do you know what I'm saying? Burger King, remember how, your way, right away. They didn't care. They came out with a slogan. You could do whatever you want. You go to Burger King and be like, "I want the bottom bun only." They'll do whatever you want. I mean, you just literally, just give me that 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 big that uh, Whopper sauce only in a cup. I mean, they'll just do anything you want. We don't do that for the Word of God. When it's the word of God, we we change around the word. And if you stay in that place, you think it's going to cause uncomfortable. It's the opposite. You have more peace and more freedom than you'll ever have in your life. Because I'm not in other people's thoughts and opinions. I ultimately want to please the Father in heaven. My wife's a close second because, Lord, she can get pretty naggy. But I'm kidding. Being poor in spirit is the key to maintaining health during times of increase. You know, God has a crazy way in scripture of promoting the underdog. You know, society thinks Jesus is going to promote the one that's, that's high and lifted up or the one that's the loudest. No, poor in spirit wins. I find it so interesting that when Jesus resurrected from the dead, which they called the second reborn in Scripture, because when he, when he came the first time, when he raised from the dead, they still called it a birth. The first time he came, Mary had to be a virgin. It's the Old Testament, right? In the Old Testament, if you touch a leper, you're, you're dead. In the New Testament, when you touch a leper, it's cleansed. When Jesus came into the earth, I'll talk above some of you, but I'm gonna risk it for a few. When Jesus came into the earth, there was a virgin that had to receive him. But when he came back from the dead, he appeared to Mary Magdalene, who just had seven devils cast out of her. He didn't even appear to his own disciples, he appeared to the dirty one. Being poor in spirit, what does that mean? Just knowing your role in this. He doesn't owe me anything. Yes, he uses us in the realm of faith, but I'll be fooled to think it's not his grace. Being poor in spirit is constantly remembering your need for him. And if you stay there, then you can succeed. If you consider others better than yourself and live this gospel. He, listen, he didn't say about nothing else. Blessed are those that are merciful for they'll get mercy. Blessed are those that are poor in spirit because you will get the whole kingdom. Because I can't give the kingdom to entitlements. I can't give the kingdom to people that are self-filled. I can't give the full kingdom to people that demand I do stuff for them. No, friends, it's him. It's his grace that touched my life. It's his grace that changed your life. And watching that progression, and look at the woman at the well. Are you kidding me? Most churches wouldn't even let her in. And her whole city was changed. Why? Because Christ comes to those that are poor in spirit. He lives with those that recognize. I'm not talking about putting yourself down and saying you're horrible. It's the opposite. It's recognizing our need for him. We live in a day people want to eradicate hunger. I mean, this is ridiculous. People that hunger and thirst for righteousness are filled. Our filled level is based in proportion to our desire for him. And I meet more people that God puts his hand on and they sell out to money, fame, friends, gossip, the devil, men, women, doesn't even matter. I mean, it's just ridiculous. I remember I was one of the worst places in my life. And the Lord said to me do you know how you feel right now? And I said, yeah, abandoned, left, like you're not with me. And he said, he reminded me he told David that a broken heart and a contrite spirit he would never deny. That doesn't mean broken heart like, oh, you, 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 know, you broke up with me in high school and I can't get over it. I'm talking about, I'm talking about living broken before him contrite heart you know makeup you know fine makeup they call it contrite and the lord said to me if you remember how you feel right now i already been written off by half this city if you remember how you feel right now i'll change the world through your life forget how i felt i ran down to groton and got a tattoo on my arm that said broken might have been foolish but you know something i wanted to make sure i would never forget for the rest of my life how i felt That it's his grace that changed, transformed my life. That it's my relying on him. That no matter what I do, where I go in the world, what God's called us to do. If I, if I keep that need of him, not just when something's bad, not just when we're in a need, not just when you sin, I'm talking about really needing him. Like every day staying poor in spirit, you will have the full kingdom. It's when we buy into our own entitlements and we feel like we're owed something that we restrict his flow in our life or we're easily offended. Count it all joy. Trials (laughs) are a shortcut to lacking nothing. Trials are a shortcut to lacking nothing. Let's stand. I want to pray this morning I realize my time has gone crazy why hasn't things happened in your life because if entitlement doesn't die the blessing will kill you you couldn't handle the blessing if entitlement didn't die I get it man this is pretty high stuff this morning We're going to have Easter eggs in a few weeks. Man, I'm after a generation. I'm so after a generation that will trust God in his word and live a breakthrough life lacking nothing. Lacking nothing. I'm after it. I'll leave you with this, and I'm going to pray. 2 Kings 22. I encourage you to read it when you get home. God has had me stuck there, man. And it's about a kid named King Josiah. Dude, this guy was eight years old. I'm not even joking. Eight years old when he became king. He was uh, kind of crazy. He was the great grandson of Hezekiah. Didn't really get to see him. He was the grandson of Manasseh, who was a mess. And, and his father uh, reigned briefly and was a mess and wicked. Josiah comes on the scene when there wasn't one king, healthy king around. And in 2 Kings 22, I have to read this one verse and pray. This was, I can't get off of this, man. I can't leave this. I don't know why. Maybe, you know, I'm preaching at this massive I am remnant in Alabama next month with thousands of kids. Maybe there I'll preach it. But something's kind of percolating in me about this Josiah generation. 2 Kings 22, it says this in verse 1. Josiah was eight years old when he became king and he reigned for 31 years in Jerusalem his mother's name Who cares? I can't pronounce these things in verse 2 and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord And I love this check it out. He walked in all the ways of his father David and did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left Oh my Lord, that's like life-changing Are you kidding? There's a percentage of you that'll walk out of this door and one text message will dictate the rest of your day. This dude was eight and he was a righteous king and he did not move to the right or the left. He stayed so focused on what God was calling him to do. And he transformed that nation because of it. I'm praying for Josias to raise up. I'm praying that you would live with that sole focus on Christ. That we're not going to be distracted to the right or the left. We're not going to give in to where the enemy just wants your attention. We're not going to live demanding anything. We owe him everything. And we're going to believe him in his word for every breakthrough. We're not going to lose heart in prayer. If something's not happening, and that's what I went back to the lupus thing, I said it's this side of heaven. And we seek God's face more than ever before. And we believe God in his word, that he could do everything he said he could do. You want to live going home wondering why someone ain't? Come on, man. There were people here during the conference. They've been waiting so long for their miracle. They absolutely lost hope. There was, a, there, was a, there was a person I knew that was believing for a miracle for years. And God said to me during the conference, it isn't even the healing anymore. That person's worse. And I had to go up to that person and be like, yo, I know you're believing for this in your life, but you're worse than the thing you're believing for now. And until you get hope restored, how can we ever do anything? You want to can God can do it if you want Sure. You want to roll the dice on that? Because last time I checked, He gave you His kingdom and His presence and His power. And he's wanting to partner with you. So now what do I do? Wait for you. It's not. It's not. It's not your cause. all the things that you're 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 upset that are not happening in your life. Now it's turning to you're the issue because you've lost hope from entitlement in these things that you're asking God for. And the devil don't care. He wants you out. You know what I mean. He'll accommodate your bad theology. He'll let you fall off a cliff. Father, this morning, I thank you for your word. I want to lead like you, Jesus. I want to follow you. I want to live like you. Lord, I pray this morning that we would understand what it means to be poor in spirit. God, those people receive the full kingdom. And this morning, we stand on your truth. We stand on your word. And we thank you, God, for your presence. We thank you for your power. At work in our life, we thank you that nothing is impossible with you, Jesus. Jesus,
1: I need you more. Come on.
0: Come on, can we just declare this for a few minutes here before we go? Man, our dependency on him needs to grow. Father, we depend on you this morning. God, for every conversation this week that's going to come up, for every meeting, God, the meetings I have, I need you. For every job situation, for our employment, for our families, for our decisions, God, whatever it is, for for our our families, for in-laws, it doesn't matter what it is. God, we trust you today as we depend on you for wisdom, for strength, for purpose, God, we trust you at your word. We lean on you and not on our own understanding. And God, I thank you that, that, that you will direct our paths. I thank you that the steps of the righteous are ordered by you. You know, the, recently my wife and I were praying because, you know, there were some decisions we had to do. And here's what all the Lord, you know, sometimes God won't answer my question, but he'll tell me something. And he didn't answer my question, but what he said to me is, I am leading and directing your steps. And I encourage you with the same word. You know, you may not have the exact thing you want or the exact answer, but you need to trust that he's leading and directing your steps because that means you're going to get to where you need to go. Because the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. Not the entitled, not the demanding, but those that are righteous. So, Father, we thank you for a week of breakthrough. We thank you for a week filled with hope as you direct our steps, our conversation in our hands, everything we do, we do it unto you, God. I thank you that in this week our families will be stronger than ever. God, the lies of the enemy would be broken. Our minds would be clearer than ever, and we would live in a place of victory in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on. You need to give the Lord a hand for that.